Hello and welcome to Filled with His Love. I recently saw an article that I liked entitled, The Thing My Therapist Said That Changed My Life. Fifteen deceptively simple, amazingly all-purpose sentences that could transform your life too. The article was by Amanda Robb and it was published on July 17th, 2023. So, okay, it's a fun title. It's overstated like a lot of good titles, but this article has some merit. I'm going to give you the 15 sentences as they appeared in the article, but I'm going to elaborate on the sentences in my own words rather than those in the article. This is a podcast about relationships, particularly our attachment to God. So my explanations often take a spiritual slant on the 15 sentences. My hunch is that at least one of these bits of counsel from therapists will be helpful to you. Okay, so let's get started. First sentence, when you don't know what to do, do nothing. It's kind of interesting piece of advice from a therapist. This reminds me of some counsel once that I gave members of my stake when I was serving as a stake president. So I walked into the elders quorum meeting one time and I asked them if they had any questions. And one elder raised his hand and it was a kind of like he was uh, testing me to see if I could answer such a difficult question. He said, Okay, President, so what if you pray about a decision and you get one answer and your wife prays about the same decision and gets the totally opposite answer, then what do you do? It was kind of like, gotcha, President, I think I gotcha. I looked back at him and I said, actually, that's a very simple answer for me. When you get different answers, when you feel differently about the same issue, you do nothing. And I still believe that. In other words, this piece of counsel from a therapist, I think, is very solid. When you don't know what to do, do nothing. So, by the way, I have a 13-year-old granddaughter, and when she heard this sentence, she said, but what if you have, have to decide fast, Grandpa? What if you have to do it right now? It's a good question. My response is, then you need to make a placeholder decision. Do something that will give you more time, more time to talk it over, more time to pray, more time to ponder about it. But doing something impulsively on the spur of the moment can get, can get us in trouble a lot. So I would say this is very good counsel. First sentence. Second sentence, you get to choose the type of relationship you have with blank, and you can fill in the blank. Now, this was not exactly the message the therapist was expressing, but for me, this is the message. We choose whether to love God and love others. It is a choice. It's a sacred act to form a relationship, to become attached to someone else. And we can choose to make it a good relationship or a bad one. Of course, the quality of any relationship depends upon both partners, but our power to choose remains preeminent. We have choices in relationships. Very important counsel. Okay, number three, get outside and walk. Okay, now to me, this means that we need to give ourselves a timeout. This is not just about exercise, although the walking is fantastic exercise for our physical bodies. But when we're upset, when we're exhausted or frustrated, giving ourselves a timeout is great medicine. I used it, my wife used it at times, particularly when we were raising our kids and when things were getting at a fever pitch and very difficult to handle. We said, okay, I need, I need a little time out. I need to take a walk outside. 
This is very therapeutic in all kinds of ways. Okay, number four. And what was the crime? Okay, this is not an obvious uh, piece of advice, but what this means is it's another way of saying kill the negative chatter in our brain. After we do something that was not our shining best, we need to ask ourselves if it was all that bad or if we were beating ourselves up over nothing. Negative self-talk or negative chatter, as we've talked about in this podcast, is never helpful to us. And we all do it. So this is great counsel. In other words, what was the crime? In other words, was it so bad? What happened? What you did? Was it that bad? Or was it just something that you are punishing yourself for needlessly? Number five, just do it tired. Very short sentence. There are times we know we should do something, but we tell ourselves we're too tired. I don't feel like it right now. We put it off when it would really be better to do it right now. Exercise is a prime example, but this applies to all kinds of tasks that we put off unnecessarily. We might actually need to contact somebody that we don't feel like contacting right now, but we need to contact them now so that they understand how we feel at this moment. So this, I think, is very good advice. Sometimes we just have to do it no matter how tired we might be. Number six, don't get on the roller coaster, but always be waiting for them on the platform. I like this image, actually. I, I picture this roller coaster at lagoon that I used to ride on and the platform that had a lot of space for waiting. And sometimes there would be grandparents or others waiting for their children or grandchildren to take the ride and then come back to them. So particularly when we are raising kids, we're tempted to accompany them in their difficult moments to take their hurt or frustration upon us. But if we do that, we might become as irrational as they are in a tough moment. I like the image that we are always waiting for them on the platform, that we are waiting for them to settle down, to come back down off the high, and to begin talking in a healthy way without all the drama that has led up to that moment. We wait for them to be ready. So, number seven, okay, but at what cost to you? Okay. I had a department chair once who came into my office, sat down, looked at me as if he was going to say something very important and said, you know what, Russ, you have a problem. You don't know how to say no. And he was right. I had a tendency to take on way too much because I liked to be accommodating, but I was paying a price for it and he could see that. I appreciated his counsel a lot and I tried to abide by it. So this sentence, okay, but at what cost to you? you you're thinking of doing something, but how much time, patience, emotional energy is it going to cost you? Uh, you need to think of that first before agreeing to do everything that comes your way. Number eight, not my circus, not my monkeys. Sometimes when we say no to someone, they keep pestering us to say yes, but we need to take a step back and keep them and help them realize that they need to deal with a problem or task they would like to unload perhaps on us. In other words, they have their problems and 
we need to recognize that, respect that, but we can't totally take them on ourselves. It reminds me of the podcast we did on there can be a negative side to empathy, if you haven't heard that one. Number nine, with a good book, you'll never be lonely. This counsel, I believe, can be spiritual. Yes, we are counseled to read good books beyond the scriptures, but the scriptures are the preeminent solution to loneliness. When we feel alone, we need to feel first close to God. And reading His Word will help us feel His closeness. And that can be in scriptures. It can also be in prophetic talks. Number 10, aren't you curious about what is around the corner for you? This is an interesting piece of advice. When we've been through any sort of trauma or severe disappointment, we need to look ahead. It reminds me of President Hinckley's counsel to go forward with faith. You know, things have happened that are bad, that are difficult, and but he says, go forward with faith, things will work out. The future always holds hope if we let it. So it's good counsel to anticipate the good thing that might be hiding from us around the next corner. So if you're feeling kind of frustrated at the present or the past, this counsel is good. Aren't you curious about what is around the next corner for you? Okay, number 11. You can hold two things at once. This reminded me of Brene Brown's uh, message in her book, The Atlas of the Heart, when she talks about the remarkable, quite miraculous capacity we have to have mixed emotions, we call it. She makes a case that these moments, when we feel both sad and happy, are among the most amazing of all human capacities. Like when you are sending a son or a daughter on a mission, for example. You're elated that they're, ex they're so excited about serving, and at the same moment, you're sad to see them go. But we have the capacity to hold both of those emotions at once, and so it's okay. We can let ourselves hold both at the same time and recognize both, and feel both. Okay, number 12. Don't compare your insides to other people's outsides. This is powerfully good advice, in my opinion. We have a tendency to look at others and see their strengths, oftentimes reminding us of our most troubling weaknesses. Comparing ourselves to others never helps. All we can do is compare ourselves to ourselves. We just need to recognize progress we are making, no matter how insignificant that progress might be, to someone else. It's our personal victory, and we need to acknowledge it and forget comparing ourselves to someone else. So sometimes we, we can't see what's inside the other person, so we look at their outsides, and sometimes those outsides look so impressive. But frankly, they usually have difficulty inside as well. So Let's not compare our insides to other people's outsides. Number 13, no one else is going to fight your fight. We need to be careful to never fall into the victim mentality. We can't give up because we feel someone else is knocking us down. If we blame our plight on someone else, we make no headway at all. We need to own our problem and keep moving forward. It's like the verse in Timothy, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. Number 14. Always follow the advice flight attendants give. Put on your own oxygen mask first, 
then help others around you. Self-care is essential. If we don't pay attention to our own well-being, we can't help anyone else at all. That means our physical, emotional, and spiritual well-being. If we feel distant from God, we need to do all we can to narrow that gap, to feel His love again. If we want to serve others, we need to keep ourselves in good physical condition. Self-care is not selfish. It's actually a selfless act because those who depend on us need us to be functioning at our very best. Okay, last sentence, number 15. We all have something from our childhood that we had zero control over. We've talked before in this podcast about ACEs, ACEs, Adverse Childhood Experiences. Everyone has had at least one. Elder Marvin J. Ashton once said, Remember, no one ever had a perfect childhood. He was helping us recognize that no one was ever raised by perfect parents, and no one ever had perfect sibling interactions. Childhood, like all phases of life, can be a bumpy road. But as adults, we do have control, and we need to exercise that control. And sometimes that means moving beyond what happened to us when we were young, forgiving those we need to forgive so that we can keep moving forward toward our eternal goal. And I think that's how I want to end this particular episode, keeping that eternal goal in mind. When we see ourselves as eternal beings, when we see ourselves as offspring of God, when we see ourselves as having unlimited, infinite potential eternally, then the things that happen to us in the here and now cannot get us down. They cannot stop us. Of course, they can cause discouragement and momentary disappointment, but they cannot get us down. We have control over how we feel and who we love and how we act. So it's really my firm belief, my testimony, if you will, that God will help us in these difficult moments. He will help us also in the moments of sheer joy when we are actually finding total happiness and fulfillment in life. He will help us recognize those moments, but he'll also help us particularly in the moments when we feel frustrated and conquered or fearful or all of those difficult emotions that can hold us back. So I hope these 15 sentences are helpful to you. If you'll just allow me, I'm going to I'm just going to read each one of them once again to see if any one of them, and not all of them, will speak to you personally, but maybe one of them stands out and will help you. When you don't know what to do, do nothing. Number two, you get to choose the type of relationship you have with blank. Three, get outside and walk. Four, and what was the crime? Five, just do it tired. Six, don't get on the roller coaster, but always be waiting for them on the platform. Seven, okay, but at what cost to you? Eight, 
Not my circus, not my monkeys. Nine, with a good book, you'll never be lonely. Ten, aren't you curious about what is around the corner for you? Eleven, you can hold two things at once. Twelve, don't compare your insides to other people's outsides. Thirteen, no one else is going to fight your fight. Fourteen, always follow the advice flight attendants give. Put on your own oxygen mask first, then help others around you. Fifteen, we all have something from our childhood that we had zero control over. I hope some bit of this advice given by therapists to probably lots of clients will be helpful to you. And I look forward to seeing you next time.